Lord, take our lives and let them be consecrated unto thee. Our whole lives, Lord. Not just when we are in your house, not just when we are with other believers, but Lord, each and every day and each and every moment, may it indeed be consecrated unto thee. Amen. Well, aren't you special? You know that phrase. It's one that actually has become uh, much more popular or at least frequent in our society today, uh, where, you know, people will say to someone, well, aren't you special? But maybe you can tell even by the tone of my voice, it is most often said with a sarcastic intent to someone who somehow has, you know, presented themselves as somehow more important, you know, more vital, you know, more significant. And if you don't uh, buy into me saying um, that's what this is about, I would suggest that you would check out Facebook or Snapchat or some other social media. And just take a look at the selfies, at how people are very much uh, inwardly focused on self Basically saying, hey, look at me, look at what I've done. We indeed are people who somehow have gotten into this sense of thinking we are more special than anybody else. Now, for me to state that, you probably are somewhere expecting me to say, you know, get over yourself, or good luck with that, or, you know, you do realize that that's a sin because you're living contrary to the Lord saying, do not think more highly of yourselves than you ought. Or even when we are doing good deeds, and Jesus even addressed to, you know, the one who was praying so publicly to make a spectacle and draw attention to himself, and Jesus said, go into a private place and pray. But sorry, I'm not going to confront you with any kind of, you need to stop that. Instead, I want to point you to our readings, God's Word, that assures us that God chose us and that God thinks we are special. God thinks we're special. Yes, we are so special, so valued that God not only wants a relationship with us here in this world, in this life, but for eternity. And yet God also made us as a people with a free will, a right to choose. And so he reminds us today saying, choose life. Choose life. By the way, when I read these words straight out of our scripture, there is no doubt, maybe not just for me, but maybe it did it for you, uh, that it begins to stir up things because it's associated with the right to life, abortion. Now, our text, however, is not about abortion, but later on I will touch on that. But this text it's about what we, as God's people, base our choices on. We do not choose based on what we are choosing, but we choose 
based on who has chosen us, who we belong to. Ever uh, wonder why God chose the people of Israel as his chosen? The people that he often called stiff-necked, the people who often, you know, wandered off and went their own ways and followed other gods and followed other ways. And God chose them? You ever wonder? Well, the answer actually is also in Deuteronomy chapter 7, where it says this, It was not because you were more in number than any other people that the Lord set his love on you and chose you, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it is because the Lord loves you and is keeping the oath he swore to your fathers that the Lord has brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you from the house of slavery in Egypt. You see, the people of Israel were not chosen because they were special. They were special because they were chosen. And so it is with God's New Testament people. So it is with you and with me. Peter writes, but you, and he's referring to the whole church, all who believe, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people belonging to God, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his marvelous light. I love that. Because in no way does Peter give us some indication that it's because of something I or you have done. It's not because we deserve it. It's purely out of God's mercy, purely out of his goodness that he has chosen us. And for a purpose. Not just, you know, well, you're the lucky lottery winner and come on, you get in. Uh Uh-uh. He says, so that. There's a purpose in mind, not only that he might embrace us and love us and restore us, but so that we may declare the praises of him who called us out of our darkness. And Paul even writes in Ephesians chapter 1 that each of us is special because we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the world. And then add to that the fact that we were chosen in the waters of our baptism, adopted as his sons and his daughters to be children of God. Each one of us is special because we were chosen, and therefore we make our choices in this context of being chosen. And that's what the writer... Moses here, Deuteronomy, is trying to get at, for he is relaying God's word, for I command you today to love the Lord your God. How? To walk in obedience to him and to keep his commands, decrees, and laws. Then you will live and increase, and the Lord your God will bless you. He calls us, my friends, we are special because we are chosen. 
most of us are familiar with this. You are with a child or a grandchild, and someone comes along and, and offers that child a, a piece of candy. And what's the first thing that that little child will do? They will not just stare at and reach out for that candy, but they will turn back and they'll look at you as if to say, is it okay? My friends in Christ, we are God's chosen children. He set his love on us in Jesus. We can trust him, and when we are faced with choices, we can turn to him and ask, is it okay? And I have to admit that that point there is almost one where it's like, i got to put the brakes on for me. Because so often I'm so quickly moving that I'm not slowing down enough to spend that time to converse with him in prayer, in meditation, and to listen. A lot of assumptions seemingly can happen in the midst of that. But our God is there waiting for us to turn to him and say, is it okay? Now let's look at the choice God places before his chosen in our text we see it phrased in a couple of different ways. Good or evil, blessings or curse, both flow from the choice of life or death. Good and blessings follow the choice of life, and evil and curses follow the choice of death. And yet the fundamental choice runs deeper than life or death. For fundamentally, the choice is to trust God or to turn away from the ways of the world, our own ideas and Satan's, and go that way. And that was Israel's constant problem, wasn't it? That's why God warned in our writing, if your heart turns away, and you will not hear, but are drawn away to worship other gods and serve them, well, that's when the curses come. The choice of death as our rescuer always leads to evil and curses. There's never been a choice of death that leads to life. Well, at least not for us. But there was one instance, as it says in Hebrews chapter 2, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself likewise partook of the same things that though through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Jesus chose suffering and death to pay the price that we owed God because of our sin. And he destroyed death once and for all through his resurrection from the dead. Jesus chose death to rescue you and me. He, we never have to choose death for rescue, for Jesus has chosen you and me, and we are the recipients of that rescue by faith in his death and his resurrection. And that, my friends, is your assurance. You can trust him 
and choose life. You can trust God because he has set his love on you in Christ. You can trust God because he promises that nothing can separate you from his love. You can trust God because nothing will, he will never leave you nor forsake you. You can trust God because he promises to be at work in every aspect and every area of your life. You can trust God because he loves you and has proven it in Christ's death and resurrection. And you can trust him because he sets his love upon you every time you choose his way and you receive the price he paid to rescue you, his chosen. You and I, we can trust God and choose life and therefore be assured of good and blessings to follow. For it says in verse 19, you and your offspring. And that's good news. Because this promise, this blessing, is for generations. The choice of life means life continues. It means new life can be given in baptism. It means love for the Lord your God will increase as you focus on His love. It means obedience to His voice will increase as you trust in Him more and more. And verse 20 says, holding fast to Him. And yes, that is why we need to be talking about things like abortion and other life issues in our churches. What a message of hope you and I have. What a message of love we have to share with one another, reminding one another that no matter how difficult the circumstances, we are chosen. We belong to God. We can trust Him. We can choose life. We can choose to uphold the value he gives to all life and to defend the life of the vulnerable. We can choose life, and we can care for those among us who are weary and burdened. We can choose life and share the forgiveness of Christ with one another when mistakes are made. And yes, forgiveness is available for all sins associated with the failure to choose life. You see, we can trust God and choose life daily so that it spills over from our lives into the lives of others, in the things we say and the things we do. We can have an influence on those who need rescue from their circumstances. As individuals in this country, we can stand with candidates, and yes, I can say this from the pulpit, but we can stand with candidates and laws that uphold the value of life. We can share our opinions and uh, beliefs in letters and emails with those who lead, and we can be a calm voice of love and life with those around us, even those who disagree with us. So most of you sitting here are a few years older than I am, but every one of us can see in our lifetimes, no matter how short or long they are, how we've lost seemingly a respect for one another 
and the ability to live with one another in community as the body of Christ. We draw a line and we say, I'm right and you're wrong. And please understand, it gets us nowhere. It doesn't. Jesus went, and he sat with those who believed and thought differently than he did. Paul went, and it says over and over again how he went to them, and he reasoned with them, and he talked to them from the scriptures. Even when they believed differently, even when their minds were not changed, How do you think you're going to change someone's opinion if you can't talk to them and share calmly and share genuinely and share from your heart where your belief comes from? I think it's time for us again to learn that this is also one of those areas where we must learn to love our neighbor and have conversation. And let the Holy Spirit do the changing. And by the way, it wasn't intended, but as I just said that, this is what strikes me. You know, you and I cannot legislate morality. How many times have we tried, not only in our own nation, but elsewhere? You can't legislate morality. It doesn't work. It doesn't change hearts. It doesn't change behaviors. People, as vessels of the Holy Spirit of God, that's where God works to change people. I often uh, say and recite to myself and cling to those words of Joshua when he said, choose this day whom you will serve, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. You know, and growing up, I often heard, you know, well, we don't believe in decision theology. You can't choose to follow Jesus, but, but you do realize that every day you and I face multiple forks in the road. Are you going to go God's way or are you going to go your way? Are you going to go God's way or the world's way? Notice what I just said? And you probably were saying, exactly, Pastor. Guess what? Every day you choose. Every day you choose whether you're going to stand on the faith that you have, whether you're going to stand with Jesus in God's way, whether you're going to follow him or follow your own way. Every day you and I are facing those choices. Friends, choosing life is more than just being against something. It is being for what God stands upon. It is being for those facing difficult situations, walking beside them, loving them with the love of Jesus. It is praying for and with them. It is offering tangible aid to those who need it so desperately and the, as the opportunity is given and as we share the love of Jesus, the Holy Spirit may very well give us the opportunity to share the word of life, of grace. Jesus, my friends, he is the rescuer. He is the source of our love and our concern 
and the true rescuer from all struggles. Choosing life and sharing forgiveness of sins each one of us desperately needs is what we are called to. Choose life. That phrase can stir up thoughts and issues in life. And yet what I pray that this biblical, positive phrase from our text today will stir up is our faith and our trust in God who chose us as his special people. And when faced with difficult situations, we can trust him and choose life and be assured that blessings will follow. Yes, as God's chosen people, let us love the Lord by choosing life. Amen.